0: Welcome back to Are Your Parents Proud of You? I am your host, Matthew Schufrider, and I also have no one. <laughs> I guess it's just me today. Uh, again, wild, Connor. Uh, oh, well. So anyway, on today's show, we have Lily Mack, who is an artist. Uh, having been from New Orleans, they made the move to Chicago as an actor. As time went on, they became more involved in devised theater and started writing plays, including an early draft of an early musical called Early Frost that was worked on with Chicago dramatists. Uh, they are a wonderful person and uh, a beautiful artist. And uh, I hope you enjoy the interview. So uh away we go.
1: Hello, Lily Mack. Hello, Matthew Shufrider.
0: Ooh, thank you so much for doing this. The
1: full Christian name, yeah. Um, thank it's, you for having me. It's
0: Catholic. Uh, <laughs> but it's a safe thing. Oh, boy. Off to a great start. Well, you, are, you just graduated at the time of this recording from college, correct?
1: Yes, Columbia College. Yes, and
0: that's how we met.
1: And I'm already back in the library. <laughs> you can't stop me. My ID worked. Really? It got me in the building. Well,
0: once, once you, you go no back, you can always...
1: You can always loiter. <laughs>
0: you can always do that.
1: Yeah. So how do you feel? You
0: just finished. It's been, what, a couple weeks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Know. It's been since uh, mid-December. And um, you caught me at, like, the biggest transitional moment of my life. Really? Thus far. Yeah. Absolutely. So? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> well, being a December grad, I think we were just talking about this earlier, is just, like, such an awkward thing because you finish your classes you go home or you just relax the winter break i yeah. got to go home for like three weeks i'm from new orleans saw mm-hmm. my family my friends it was awesome drank a lot ate a lot the debauchery As all of do. it yeah and then i come back and usually your reset button is okay i'm gonna prepare for class and then i'm gonna get my ass out the door and then i came back and i was like no one's telling me to do Anything. And <laughs> and that is a scary, scary thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been in school our entire lives, like, mm. or a lot of us have, and that's, like, the structure that most of your life revolves around. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're just not doing that. And you're like, what? what? This is a scam. <laughs> like, <this> is, <laughs> this
0: is, they should have told you that in the brochure.
1: I know. Um, I should have, like, gotten that out of all my classes. Um, no, but... I did. I had a really good time at Columbia. I had a very interesting time at Columbia. Um, But, I mean... I, so we've got to do it at some point. We've got to push ourselves up the nest at some point. So
0: yeah, have you like started any new hobbies because of it?
1: Yeah, I actually have. I started making jewelry. So oh. all the jewelry I'm wearing, I made. Oh, that's awesome! Which for you listeners at home is probably very illuminating. Um, oh, it looks <laughs> great right now. I tell you that right now. <laughs> Thank you. I've been. Uh, I make it out of like Ace Hardware materials usually. <laughs> so like this is like a coil. This is some kind of. I I like how it's like. I'll be in an Ace Hardware and um, an employee will come up to me like, can I help you with something? I'm like, no, I'm just browsing. <laughs> like, I just, like I just like things that are shiny. Um, and I'll make jewelry out of it. So um, I, make, I made a bunch of jewelry for my friends for Hanukkah and Christmas and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, what do you think this... Have you always been a fan of making jewelry, or when did this even start?
1: I don't know. Like, I've been, like, crafty in different ways throughout my life, I think. But, like, uh, the jewelry thing just started because I just wanted to make, like, more... I think I just started looking at... Oh, it started with going to Ace Hardware and finding, like, nuts that fit my finger. And I used... And then I would wear them as rings. And I was like, this feels great. (laughs) <laughs> um, and sometimes they would, like, leave a little, like, ring around my finger, like, when I took them off. But I was like, I don't give a shit. Um, and and then it involved to, like, earrings and necklaces and things like that. So I've been doing that. Um, I love, like, cooking. My I live with uh, my roommate, my lovely, lovely roommate, Joms, or Jamie Davis. Um, we share a very... Um, like a fanaticism about food. Yeah, we're actually going to like a birthday dinner of hers tonight. Oh, cool! Um, at like some fancy steakhouse or something like that. Oh. And we, and so we well we do a lot of cooking or just talking about food or learning about food. Addicted to Bon Appetit uh, YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. Shout out! Seriously, we <laughs> just stay in the test kitchen. Um, but yeah, and I've been trying to just keep writing too. Yeah. Um, uh, I, there's like there's things happening professionally. There's good. things going on. That's very the, good. the ball is rolling. I'm just looking at the ball and I'm going, where are you going? Where are you well, going? It's,
0: it's a creative ball. It goes where it ball. wants to go. Yeah. Uh, my dad's a big Ace Hardware fan. So yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, that was my running joke. of like, Dad, you're never around. Please stop going to Ace.
1: What was the Ace Hardware in your neighborhood called?
0: Ace Hardware Store. Just that? Yeah.
1: Because the ones, at least in New Orleans, that I've seen, they have names in front of them that are the business owners. Really? So the one that was uh, uptown on Magazine Street New Orleans was Harry's Ace Hardware. So I always grew up thinking, like, that is the entire full name of the company. No, we
0: don't care about Harry.
1: No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I care about okay, Harry.
0: you do. I have my Ace at all. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Harry. And there's a Mary's Ace hardware in like Jefferson Parish or something. And like I was just like, wow. Um Yeah, so jewelry making, food. Um, I'm a bartender too. I love making yeah. cocktails, just trying like things at home and coming up with stuff.
0: Do you have a favorite drink you like to make?
1: Um, I love an old fashioned. Okay. That's like my go to drink of choice. It's hard it's hard like to that to be, like, your go-to at a bar, though, because, like, bourbon's so overpriced, like, at bars, and then Chicago, it just, like, it just com- like compounds upon itself. Like, I... Oh, man. I was... I was at an opening for a show, and they had a little, like, thing afterwards for the opening at a bar, and I... Everyone on the, like, the casting crew had a drink ticket. It was mm-hmm. a show that Jamie was working to do sound uh, mixing. Yeah. And I didn't have one because I was just a plus one, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna get one drink at the bar, and I got an Old Fashioned. It was... 15 dollars and then like extra for like tax too and i <laughs> i said i am dumping an adult i'm <laughs> it is it is over um so i usually like drink at home or i'll like bring flasks of like cocktails that i make out that's how you do it and things like that but one drink i made recently that i love um is i made a a beet juice margarita okay that was really really phenomenal
0: why was it called a beet
1: juice because it had beet juice in it. Duh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, clearly, It's I basically... It's, yeah, right. It was a traditional margarita set up on the rock, salted rim, but mm. in addition to, like, tequila and the Cointreau and things like that in the line, um, beet juice and a little bit of grapefruit bitters, too. Oh, cool.
0: And Have you always been a bartender?
1: Um, I've always loved drinking. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, uh, Columbia. Yeah, no, no like, I think hence New Orleans, really. Thank you, New Orleans. Thank you, New Orleans. Love Wales. you, Columbia. Love you. Um, no, I mean, I... Started drinking, like, very mildly um, when I was, like, 15 or so. Like, like pe- older people in high school introduced me to drinking, kind of. Yeah. And then also I was drinking at home with my family, like, during dinner. And, oh, like, cool. that was, I mean, that's kind of seen as, like, a normalized thing uh, in New Orleans, especially. Um, and I always liked drinking at home the most. I always loved, like, having my friends over or being with my uh, family, um, having a glass of wine, having a beer, having a cocktail. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of evolved into me like, I love hosting, like, I love having, like, a group, like, a shindig, like, a soiree, a get-together at a home, Mm -hmm. and the comfort that that provides, but also, like, the social capital that it has, like, that sounds really douchey to say capital, the social value it has, like, not having the pressure of, like, you have to go out of your home, necessarily, to enjoy the time with people you love, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and I think it's more special when you have people over, and you can, cook a meal together for them or make drinks for them and things like that that's cool yeah love love that stuff
0: (laughs) it's all about the family it's
1: all
2: about the
0: family yeah so you've been talking about a lot but you are from New Orleans we yes uh I thought you said yes or we I'm like who's we um I don't know so were you born there or Mm -hmm. okay cool born and raised Cool. So where in New Orleans? Anywhere specific? Yeah.
1: uh, Uptown Riverbend area. So my family home is like seven blocks off the Mississippi River. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It was just a a great place to grow up. It's a weird place to grow up. It's a complicated place to grow up. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, like I think people think that New Orleans is kind of like an amusement park. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you just go there to like show your tits and get drunk and have fun and throw up and then go home. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, real human beings live there and grew up there and form as people there. And, um, but then as a result of that culture and like all that fun going on or that spirit of the city, like I think people that come out of New Orleans, a lot of them are just like great people, people, you know, like they're, they're willing to have conversations with people and open up and have fun, let loose a little bit, um, in a way that like differs from Southerners and then definitely differs from the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. It has like, people have called like New Orleans like the little Europe of America, kind of. And it definitely feels like that a lot. Well
0: cool, what what did your parents do?
1: My dad is an attorney. He came to New Orleans in the 70s um, and to finish his undergrad and then he went to law school in New Orleans and then never left. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's originally from the Northeast. And then my mom, she was an Air Force brat growing up, lived all over, eventually settled down in New Orleans. Or no, well, settled down in New Mexico, met my dad in New Orleans while she was at Jazz Fest with some girlfriends. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, and then fast forward, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> so. And
0: where, where do you think the bug happened for you when you wanted to make art or do art,
1: you think? Hmm. Um, well, I was a little attention whore from a young age. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I just, uh, I really naturally gravitated towards uh, music and singing mm-hmm. when I was a little kid. Uh, my mom loves to, like, bring up almost like, for me, it's like the threat of finding the footage because it's somewhere in a desktop computer. But, like, there's footage of me singing, like, uh, Fallen by Alicia Keys in the oh. back of my dad's car when I'm, like, a toddler. Okay. <laughs> So there's that. (laughs) And then also my grandfather on my dad's side, um, he's had a lot of, like, really different cool jobs throughout his life. But um, in my heart, uh, he's, like, a singer. He's a performer. Um, So growing up, seeing him, he would always, like, sing to me across the dinner table. Like, he's a total charmer. Like, he is a flirt. He is cheeky. Um, and he will just serenade you across the dinner table, like, looking into your eyes and singing the Sinatra catalog. Like, oh, I like it. Love Grandpa Dick. <laughs> his, oh, also, his name's also Grandpa Dick. Grandpa Dick, okay. And <laughs> that's just, and when I was growing up, that like, people gave me a lot of shit for it, but it just has such a nice ring to it. It's, it's great. Um, and, and then also, like, so a couple people in my family are artists or, like, entertainers in a way. Like, my cousin Anna's an actor. Okay. Um, and there's, like, creative streaks within my family, but I don't know. And I think my parents just recognized that, um, like, I needed outlets to, to do this stuff. And, unfortunately, there were a lot of things through school or, like, different camps around. We lo- I lived, like, um, my family home is a, less than a mile away from Tulane. We're practically on top of the campus. Yeah. Um, and there was, like, a theater camp for kids when I was growing up, so I did that, and that was, like, my first introduction to musical theater uh, when I was about eight. And so, like, I got into it that way. I took piano lessons. Eventually, I took dance because I was hoping to get into a arts conservatory program in high school, mm-hmm. um, which I ended up doing. And um, yeah, there's just a lot of different avenues I could take, especially as a as a young person professionally in the world. It's, it's a little different down there, especially for a theater artist. But as what a you young think, person, what do you think
0: that different is, or is? Can you point out the difference?
1: Yeah, there's just you just don't <clears throat> have like the all the companies and all the funding and just like it being an integral part of the culture with new Orleans. When you think like, what do you, what do you think about new Orleans artistically? Like what comes to mind? Jazz. Right. Right. That's the first thing. And like music, jazz, live music is like the bread and butter of the tourist economy and of the art scene. And it's how well funded it is by like the city or by other people. Like that's something to dispute maybe, but that is the blanketing kind of art form. Uh, and with theater, there's a lot of resources for younger people, like yeah. through schools and camps. And and there's some, um, and like Tulane has a theater department, Layla does some performance stuff as well, of course. Um, but if you just like look up the makeup of the city and what like we consider like, I don't know just like conventional theater Mm -hmm. there's just a there's just a handful of companies and a lot of those companies are doing really great stuff Uh, Goat in the Red Productions uh, NOLA Project I think like those have made the biggest impact on me artistically when I was growing up there Uh, and I mean growing up in the sense of like I started seeing their stuff in high school Mm -hmm. not really like before then um And I think they're doing, like, the most relevant, like, younger kind of work. But then you also have people, the nooks and crannies in between that kind of stuff, who are trying to expand what performance means in New Orleans. So, like, one of my former acting teachers from the arts high school that I went to, his name's Dan Arnicle, and he's um, some kind of producer. I think he's a producer is the proper title. I was talking to him over break. And of a company called Mondo Bizarro. Down in New Orleans. It's a great name, right? I love that name. Yeah, your face lit up, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're doing things that intersect performance art and dance and text and theater, kind of. And they have, like, actually a space that's not even too far from the art school I went to in the Bywater uh, neighborhood. And so people are, like, making efforts and making ways as to diversify. And there's also, like, he made the case, my teacher, like, do we really need more conventional, like, theater? Like... We don't need to be looking towards Steppenwolf or Goodman. He was using Chicago examples for my sake.
0: Yeah,
1: to necessarily see what we want, what we want performance to be uh, in this city. And I think that's just coming from his experience in the regional theater world, and then being like, I'm kind of done with conventional play, two act play structure things. I want weirder, broader, bigger stuff. Mm Um, and that's kind of the, the lane I'm going into, I think, or veering, or looking yeah. at in my rear view window and going, "Oh, hello." <laughs> so, how do you feel when,
0: you know, when you see film or TV portray New Orleans, like Tremé, for example? Sure. Um, <laughs> do you do they get it right, or how, does it offend you? Does it?
1: I would need to go. You? I would need to go back and look at Tremé because when it came out, I was still pretty young. I was yeah. eight when Katrina happened, um, and. Uh, it definitely, Katrina's had more of an impact on me post everything than it did in the moment because my family was pretty lucky. Our house was on some higher ground being near the river, so we just got like wind damage and things like that. It was yeah. a lot of th- things in, pro- in proximity to me, just the, the population of the city itself, the infrastructure. Um, And then it it affects you more and more as you keep growing up in a place that is kind of neglected that way. Um, In terms of New Orleans media representation, uh, I've always felt like it's very surface level.
2: Mm.
1: um, And that you can get just... People are just skimming off the top in certain ways. Um, And... I don't know. Like, I, I think I want to see more things that are in-depth. And I want to see it from New Orleans artists, people that grew up there or live there and right. know the people. Uh, but again, it's like, uh, New Orleans as an art city, it's hard to get, like, the practical momentum or resources or funding from for things like that. Like, the yeah. film industry is doing all right. Uh, it had, like, a more of a boom in, like, the early 2010s. But... Sometimes just getting the the proper representation out of there is is difficult. Actually, um, space was the first time I ever saw a theatrical representation of Katrina okay. on a stage, which was really interesting. Um, you know, you've seen movies and TV about it, but I never see it in the theatrical context before. No,
0: I think that was my first time. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Brother Sister's play was based on New Orleans. Or Katrina, if you know what that is. I'm not familiar with it. Brother Sisters play. That's the uh, Terrell McCready trilogy. Oh, okay. uh, Marcus and Cedar Swedes. Uh, okay. Um, I'm blanking on the other two. I apologize. Uh, but I believe it had something to do with New Orleans. I could be wrong. Um, I probably am. Um, but anyway, so you were in arts high school. How, what was that experience like for you?
1: It was interesting. Uh, it was, it was a good one for me. I can't say that every, and like just with any institution, institutions are flawed inherently. Uh, arts institutions even more so because the value that people put on arts. Um, but so I went to two high schools simultaneously through oh, wow. high school. It was just, this is just the way it works uh, with this, with this art school. Uh, New Orleans Center for the Creative Arts, or NOCA for short. Um, and they've been doing this since the 70s in which you would go to your academic high school or your sending school, as they call it, for the first half of the day and at lunch or whatever the break is in your schedule, you would go, you would commute to NOCA uh, and spend the second half of your day, one fifteen to 3.45, um, doing your arts disciplines. And they had everything from Musical theater, drama, really good jazz program, dance, culinary arts, creative writing, media, arts, uh, visual, a lot of different stuff. Um, and I had a lot of friends from my academic high school that would come along with me, either in That's carpool cool. or we'd drive together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, and that, personally, for me, was a really good experience. And it gave me a lot of structure in terms of... Because I always liked musical theater, and the only prior experience I had doing it was a camp. Was like a children's, essentially a children's camp, yeah. um, but I knew I was really interested in it, so I started taking dance classes at like thirteen or like twelve or something. I was kind of late to the game, with with the structures essentially. Yeah. So, um, and I did a lot of cool stuff there and things that that expanded beyond musical theater, and that's partially credit to the people I was around, my peers. Uh, partially in credit to some of the faculty that I had. Um, my teacher Dan, who I just mentioned, like really expanded the horizons of musical theater department in terms of what they what kind of programming they were doing introduced like a student written play festival oh,
0: cool.
1: by musical theater students Was um, that your first time
0: writing for that? I
1: actually wasn't writing at that time. I was okay. more so just acting and performing and then I did some uh, assistant stage managing okay. and some stage hand stuff while I was there, which is which was cool because usually the departments didn't not mix that much. I kind of was there at a time when more faculty and more students were like, "Can we overlap the departments a little bit more?" Besides just theater design, doing costumes and set and lighting, like more than that. Yeah. Um, and it was it was hard. It was really hard because um, I went to two very competitive places Mm -hmm. I had to audition to get into NOCA I had to test in to get into my high school um and both were really really competitive environments and I wouldn't even say competitive with like other students it's more so yourself Mm. and uh to get the best GPA you can uh or to get like the best grades in class or being all the shows that you can be in yeah um and then it was even stranger when I ended up choosing Columbia because it's like the least—it was the least selective school mm-hmm. that I got into, and definitely not what my training and my high school was preparing me to do. Because every I, at the high school, the academic high school I went to is called Ben Franklin, and they like prepare students to like apply to Stanford and Yale and Princeton. And then you have those kids who get into like all five of the Ivy Leagues and. Things like that, and not everyone at Franklin did that, mm-hmm. I and mean, that they don't need to. Yeah, um, but everyone there was like really, really smart. Um, and then I ended up going to Columbia, um, which was probably scarier for my parents than it was yeah, for was me. Yeah, how do they
0: take? How they feel about
1: that? Well, I the mm. rationale I had by choosing schools was that I didn't want to go to school in a place I didn't want to be in. Mm-hmm. So you can have the best musical theater program in the country. But if it's on a cornfield, I don't want to be there. <laughs> I just I just You're don't.
0: not calling anyone out.
1: I no no, no, like like no disrespect. Like and i as I've gone through Colombia, I've seen like I've recognized the inherent value of doing that. Yeah. Of having a very concentrated, rigorous program, getting the best education you could possibly want. But I am glad that I even had this inkling of a value in the beginning of like my education does not exist solely within the institution I'm in. yeah, It exists within the experiences I'm having. So coming to Chicago was like a really good move. <laughs> now, is, is it
0: true? Because I didn't know about this until I read your, your uh, resume, but they had, Columbia had a high school summer institute. It, did. Oh, it did. And
1: that's honestly the reason I even knew about the school in the first place. Really? Okay. Yeah. It was a summer between my junior and senior year, and I knew I wanted to do an arts program somewhere outside the city because there weren't any in New Orleans that provided that kind of, like, Three week training yeah, situation, yeah. and uh, and I think a, a classmate of mine from uh, from Noka had done it uh, the year previous, um, and she was really smart cooking. And I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's do it." I <laughs> um, uh, took my first like stage combat kind of hand to hand things, which I had never even considered before. Mm. Um, and I just I don't know. I just really I was it was summer in Chicago, and that's a beautiful time to be yeah. alive, right? So I just like I just knew that I had a I had a knowledge of it. I mm-hmm. knew how it worked at least on a microcosmic scale. And so I was choosing between uh I was choosing between Columbia and UT Austin. Okay. Yeah. Like really just different vibes. I don't know. Yeah, I,
0: was, I don't know much about that school. What was about it that you liked?
1: UT Austin it was like it was a weird timing because they were just getting rid of their musical theater department, which okay. didn't like rub me completely the wrong way because I, was only, I wasn't just applying to MT programs. I was applying to theater arts programs yeah. and knowing I wanted to mix performance and writing and devising. I didn't even know what devising was yeah. at that point, but something like that. And, uh, and they, But they still had a really good theater program, but I visited UT's campus with my dad,
2: mm.
1: and I was like, this is like a fifth of the city. This is so big why is that stadium so large? (laughs) Why does that dorm room look like a jail cell? (laughs) What's going on? I just could not. I was like, oh. Like, I... Uh Uh-oh. No. And I just, I knew that, and I thought to myself, okay, maybe freshman year I'm stranded on the campus Mm because I can't have a car or something like that. And then... But then we, like, went around the city and, like, went to shops and, like, little, like, honky-tonk places. And, like, Austin has a charm. Like, no one's doubting that. Mm -hmm. But it just seemed like a place I could enjoy when I was, like, 30. Why not? Or something. But not when I was, like, 18 trying to get into the DIY or underground scenes of whatever was happening. Like, I knew Chicago had, there was more transferable energy from New Orleans to Chicago and Chicago to New Orleans than there was to Austin, despite it being closer and technically in the south. I don't know, it, it just didn't, um, it didn't have, like, the character mm-hmm. that I wanted it to have, or th- what I wanted to get out of it, so.
0: Yeah, and during this whole time, what were your parents thinking about you wanting to, to commit to the arts?
1: <gasps> okay, so, no, <laughs> that sounded like a do. <laughs> well, yeah, story. I was like, yeah. wow, okay. <laughs> no, um, I think I did well enough in <laughs> school, like, in, like, lower, middle, grade, like, high school, like, yeah. grade-wise, that I think my parents were like, oh, no, arts is like a, a thing that you can still do while keeping up your grades. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they recognize I, I filled up my plate a little too much sometimes with the art. Because I love musical theater, and that's what I studied. But I love musical theater because it encompasses music, acting, dance, um, movement, text, poetry, projection, whatever. Like, all these different things. Like, uh, oh, what's a, what's that Bilbo word they taught us? Uh, Versandkunstwerk. Uh, it's, like, the German term for total art.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. Shout out to to Hill, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I listened Always. to his episode. It was so fascinating. Okay, cool. Um Like, the, he's the king of rock and roll. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, and so I, did, I think they just recognized that I had a talent for it, uh, for performing. Uh, especially, like, I did a lot of singing in choir to... Um, and that was, like, where I found my joy. Like, mm-hmm. uh, especially when I was younger, I, like, I went to a school. I went to, like, a private Catholic all-girls school that I didn't really click with, like, my class. And I found myself just diving into, like, music or theater to, like, really find, like, where I was happiest. And my parents are awesome, and they love me so unconditionally, and I don't even deserve them. And I just think they recognize that's where I found my joy. And so they were willing to support that. And they also financially had the resources to support me in doing all that. Like, keeping up arts training, especially if you're doing musical theater, mm-hmm. is not cheap. Mm-hmm. It is not cheap. You're taking you're basically cross-training
2: right.
1: um, a lot of things. So I was very lucky in that regard, too. So they were able to support me in doing that. Um, and I have a, really fun, a a lovely little anecdote about deciding where to go to school. I was sitting on my steps at home,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Uh, steps upstairs, and I was just like head in the hands, classic like teen angst. You need to make this life altering decision, I guess. My mom said, like, You yeah, know what's wrong? I was like, I can't decide whether I go to UT because it's like more like selective and the academics are better, but there's Columbia and I like Chicago, and it just seems more like the vibe. I don't know. And my mom looked at me and she said, Honey, you go wherever you want to go. Just be in a band. And (laughs) I was... I was shocked. Say no more. Oh, my God. Like, oh, man. Like, I was like, that's (laughs) the vicarious dream for you for me to be in a band. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I've done that since. I've I've been in my friend's project a little bit. But, um, yeah. So, at some points, I felt like I was betraying, like, all the preparation I had done to go to somewhere that was, like, less selective, but getting here, like, I was able to take honors classes, I was able to, I I had a lot of APs in high school, so I was able to get some academic credits out of the way and kind of curate my schedule. I was also a BA musical theater major and added a writing for performance minor at like the third of the way through school, so I was able to kind of curate my schedule how I wanted to. Mm in a lot of ways and I think that helped my experience at Columbia. I also like did not go out specific just straight for musicals either. I did actually more I think I did I did one musical throughout my time at Columbia. Oh. And it was a student produced one. It was it was wild party. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that. everything else I did was plays and some of them incorporated music too.
0: Yeah. And so I know you do devise, you do writing and I'm curious Did something happen before the other, or did it kind of happen at the same time? You did say you did writing. Yeah. You switched to writing as a minor. Yeah. But was that during you discovering devising? You think?
1: Well, I think I think devising was like kind of after that. I technically did a new stew uh, Mm. when I was here that was. Writing and devising, I was made a writer on it, and okay. I had no idea that I was a, I, that was the situation I was going into. Oh. But I, it, it was cool because it was my first time seeing text I had written act like being acted out by by other actors, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is such a cool thing! Holy shit!" Um, and and it's, I kind of fell in love with that. I took Playwriting One, Playwriting Two, uh, and then. Um, I'm gonna you can't see this but my bag I was in the the first oh. MFA festival yeah. for the European devised theater oh very cool thing and I was in a um, in a piece called Small Talk which was a devised um, piece riffing off of the pajama game okay the 1953 musical yeah that, that everyone knows and loves oh, of course uh, about you know like unionization and love stories uh <laughs> You know, you know, a grand old time, grand old time, um, and I—that was my first like formal, like real formal devising experience, and having like a grad student at the helm of it, Ben Hustis, um, really like just endless energy w- within a person, incredible. Mm. Um, and that was a really, really eye-opening process. Yeah, it, it taught me that devising is uh, there's no one way to go about it. Okay, at all you really have to create rules or games or constraints for yourself in the room for like with that everyone's involved and in. you can devise in a solo fashion but like typically devising is seen as ensemble work yeah um and then some of it would be very ensemble based and sometimes we develop things at home and bring them in um and i realized that Yeah, it's such a blank slate. You can just really, and you can, and then I like the idea of devising of taking a question or a subject matter or text or something like that. And you're just like twisting it like Play-Doh and you're just messing with it. You're putting googly eyes on it and then you present it as a piece. (laughs) There's something really uh, fun and playful about it. Mm -hmm. But I like, um, yeah, and I want to do more devising. um, And I Definitely want to approach it with a very ensemble-based um, mind uh, and playfulness and spirit, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah, right.
0: No, I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, and then, so it was the right, did your minor come with doing the show you were doing? You were
2: doing? No,
1: no, that was just a separate thing. Uh, Amy Yule, like, put, uh, like, put the radar up and I was like, yeah, let's do this. Cause she was a, I think she was like a faculty advisor on it. Okay. Uh, at least for, at least for Ben, because he was doing a musical theater oriented piece and was um, soliciting actors from the undergrad MT department. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. And then also I think f- from high school, uh, during high school, I, I realized uh, one of the things about musical theater is that not everyone knows I do musical theater mm-hmm. because I if you plucked me off the street and said hi to me and I started a conversation with you, I don't think you would know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, or a lot of people say that, and um,
0: is that okay with you?
1: No, it's okay with me. Yeah. It, it, it unsettled me a little bit. When you're like a preteen doing theater and you don't quite fit into the theater kids, yeah. a little flag goes up and you're like, oh God. Um, but <laughs> uh, what am I doing? Um, because, you know, while my uh, peers in theater camp were listening to like you know, Broadway soundtracks, I was listening to, like, Interpol. Mm-hmm. Um, or, um, what, what, like, Nina Simone or something like that. Yeah. Or, like, I started getting to Leonard Cohen when I was, like, 14. Really? Yeah, my piano teacher taught me a lot of Leonard Cohen stuff. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool repertoire we did. Um, and so, and I just, the music I was listening to as a teenager uh, and now, like, it's just, it's not musical theater. And I actually have seen more music in Chicago than I've seen theater because I've become part of the, the DIY scene and friends with people and supporting their shows and whatnot. And I just, I just, shoo, hoo, 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 hoo. the sound of musical theater does not always jive with me. Mm-hmm. Like, the the orchestrations, the vocalist Yeah, because uh, you recently came
0: into music composition. Yeah. Composition, oh, sorry. Yes.
1: Correct. I've done mostly lyric writing, and then I've done some composition, too. Yeah, and how did that
0: come to and be? work.
1: Um, I took a class called Writing for Musical Theater. So okay. it, was, it was always the, the brain children were existing in my head, and I never yeah. like put it to paper because I live my life in theory a lot. <laughs> um, but then I took the Writing for Musical Theater class. It's taught by Ilya Levinson and Paula Mandes, and my writing group ended up being my best friend now, Brianna Cynthia, mm-hmm. and uh, Ryan Tucker. Okay. Ryan Tucker's actually music directing the tap show that's going on, or it's about to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and he's, he's, they're both, like, stupidly talented, yeah. and I don't deserve them. Um, <laughs> but we wrote a piece together, um, in that class, because everyone produces, like, a 10-minute a musical piece, and it ended up being, like, five actors and a family drama about a mother and a daughter experiencing a domestic abuse situation with mm. magical realism and gardening and flowers, and we had dirt on stage and overlapping music, and, um, that was just really insane. Like, it, I don't even know how it came together now that I think about it, but, and we have plans to expand that into a one yeah. act over the next year. And we just had a meeting uh, oh, cool. about it. And then we also have, I actually have a thing to plug. I don't know when this is going up, but, Please. um, this coming Monday, uh, a piece we wrote. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I, well, a piece, it happened. If you're listening to it, it this occurred. Um, folks, you missed out. Folks, you missed out. Um, this coming Monday, uh, a t- another 10-minute piece of ours um, called Dear Letty is being, as part of a staged reading at the Chicago Music Theater Festival. Oh, very cool. Yeah. It's a piece that Brianna and I uh, started writing in a Chicago dramatist's musical 10-minute musical writing class, and then we brought Ryan on to help beef up some of the composition and stuff like that, and it's a period piece set in Chicago in, like, the 30s. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, and that was a lot of fun to write, and then we're going to hopefully send that off to festivals and stuff Mm -hmm. like that.
0: And I'm curious as for you as a writer, how do you, what what makes you want to write, I'm going to write a musical or I'm going to write a play. Is it very different, you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, with plays, I think, well, with musicals, it's like tonally, like the momentum has to be different. Mm -hmm. Like I think plays, you can like have a bit, you can have kind of like lines of dialogue or a setup or a circumstance that you can kind of riff off of and then go from there or at least that's been my experience in writing plays and then within musicals it's it can start the same way but then you have to look at your script your your bones of your story and go well where are the musical moments in this and does this justify like song or Mm -hmm. some kind of at least elevated something elevated from simply just text or simply just movement or you know um and I think I like writing, collab- I mean, with musical theater, like, you to write, like, on your own mm-hmm. is insane. Yeah. And, like, I just, I don't understand how people do it. Um, and I don't think theater is ever a solo endeavor. Like, I-, I really, I mean, you could be a playwright, just write your play, set it in, they produce it, and some people get work done like that, but... It really, it, I don't. It's actually not that simple. And theater is an inherently collaborative art form, and I, that's what I love about it. Mm-hmm. I feed off of other people. Maybe, maybe I'm a succubus, but um, no, I just, I. That's how I can even like get out what mm-hmm. I'm feeling or thinking. Is like with if I'm expressing it to other people, I think. Um, so I, I, I like in musicals when it takes so much to do the lyrics, the book the music and they all have to kind of they have to like mesh together they have to work together and serve each other yeah Um, that's where just collaboration just comes in handy Um, just having other people like spit out their ideas some things land some things don't and Mm -hmm. then you run with certain things you expand and compound others Um, and it takes a lot of a lot of time Mm -hmm. too I mean if, if you hear about people writing musicals it's like a multi-year process most of the time. Like, Town, you know, probably that's like a nine-year process. I mean, I'm probably exaggerating, but it was at least over Too five years, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe even more. So um, I'm trying to, like, prepare myself mentally for that, to be like, mm-hmm. hey, you can't get instant gratification out of this as a process. Mm-hmm. And I don't think theater should be instant gratification, which is really cool as an art form to, to, to put yourself in in a time where instant gratification, at least in terms of media, is like, our bread and butter
2: yeah
1: um and really trying i just want to appreciate the process man god i just want i just want to be an artist uh, yeah uh but musical theater i just like it's just kind of i think it's a lot of uh, i was listening to the kelly garrett episode and uh when you're like why did you write space and she was like well i, I just that was the theater i wanted to see
2: yeah
1: and um and so i'm writing musical theater because it's Kind of, I feel like I haven't really written, especially musically. I haven't written the show where all the music is like I, it, like has like the kind of influences of things I listen to on the daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think the stories themselves that's also fascinating. The stories themselves really inform the style for sure. Because uh, like the the Dear Luddy piece is a period piece, so it's like borderline twenties thirties style music yeah. with some contemporary influence, and then the early Frost piece is like, uh, classical contemporary, like, vibe, like, mm-hmm. um, like, I think, like, Philip Glass-ish, or a little bit of... Philip Glass. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's a throwback. Also, <laughs> throwback? I, I don't know why, because I also just watched the Philip Glass movie. you ever seen it? Oh, I have not. Shattered Glass. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> Shattered Glass. Hayden Christensen plays Stephen Glass. Oh, my God. And it's... Oh, Philip Glass, sorry. Um, and it's wonderful.
1: Oh, I have, I have not... Okay, I'm going to add it to my letterbox, too. There you go. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, I think uh, <laughs> the the next uh, endeavor, besides expanding the pieces or refining the things that we have right now, uh, I just really want to... Uh, I want to write a musical that kind of comes from the music first, in a way. Okay. And then with, like, some, some semblance of structure in terms of story or, like, circumstance or things going on, or yeah. ob- objective, maybe, but... Um, I really want to hear that kind of weird, like post punk or like experimental neo jazz stuff going on. Like oh, very cool. That <laughs> that's my uh, that's my fantasy. My final fantasy. Yeah. and How long did
0: um, I would assume early frost was like a fifteen week process? That's how many weeks they were for a semester. Yeah, okay. yeah.
1: It was over the course of that semester.
0: Okay. And so when did that? When did you? How did you get the inspiration for that?
1: It was uh, actually based off of a one act uh, that Brianna had written. Okay. And was that was performed in the one act play fast uh, that previous semester. So I got to see it. It was Okay. It was wonderful. It was like the family drama where the aunt comes in, oh. or like the, it was actually a neighbor in the original one.
0: Yeah, I think I remember this. Yeah,
1: and then the, the, the child Rosie is, like, playing in the garden was outside. Was it called Broken Flowers? I is think it was called Broken Flowers. I think that's
0: because I think my show was right after that one. Yeah, no, oh. it was. I remember seeing it. Yeah, oh.
1: Um. Yeah, on the sixth floor. Yeah, I remember and, that. And um, so we took that story and um, changed some things. The neighbor became, like, the mother's sister, Um, We had, like, the two flower friends. um, This makes no sense to any random listener. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay.
0: They missed out.
1: But, (laughs) yeah, so we just, like, I I helped, like, amend the book. Uh, I did the lyrics. Like, I think it's cool because I like the process that we uh, have because um, I have my toes in the book uh, Brianna has her toes in the lyrics. Like Ryan and I kind of collaborate on the music, yeah. um, which is very, uh, I think signifies me as a person, as an artist, cause I like to have my fingers in every single pie and taste every single one. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow be involved in everything, which like some, at a certain point I'm like, dude, chill, like let people, let people do what they need to do. Like, come on back off. um, but, it's, yeah, it's really it's a really good collaborative process with them and the communication's good cool. the, uh, we like you know it's not like it's lighthearted too. we goof around yeah. So like um, yeah, so it was like it was a little bit less than 15 weeks for the project because we did a couple of preliminary things in class and so we like I think Ryan Brian and I wrote a song mm-hmm. together and it was based off of series of photos that Paul had laid out on the piano in the classroom and he's like, choose a photo and then write a song about it. And we're like, okay and we found a woman. It was a stock photo, and like a lot of these just had watermarks on them, mm-hmm. like stock photo like. Oh cool. So good. And it was a woman um, going like this, she has like, she's like calling out to someone with her hand near her mouth. And I like looked at that photo, and I went, I wonder how long she had to hold that position for. I wonder how much she got paid. What's your what's deal? <laughs> just like the generic stock photo brunette in a ponytail. And we wrote a, a, a song about a woman who was, like, hung over at a stock photo shoot, and it was called Sick of Stock.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she was just talking about how she was just like, I just wanted to be in, like, a Kohl's catalog. Like, I never had aspirations to be, like, a big-time model or anything, mm-hmm. but I just, like, I can't do stock photos anymore. I can't co- keep putting spaghetti on my head and, like, like weird shit up my nose and, like, screaming at piles of money <laughs> that I don't have. Because I'm broke in L.A. And, like, that was the first song we wrote together, and that's at the town.
0: So when that show premieres, <laughs> and that random audience member... Yeah. You're going to reach out to them, like, how do they know cut, me?
1: Deep cut. You've deep in stock in someone. You've been listening to the podcast. Uh,
0: please do. <laughs> um, so at this point in your life, you've done a whole bunch of really interesting, dare I say, devised material. Huh. Um do you have a preference right now? Do you like to be on stage? Do you like working more behind the scenes? Where do you think you are? Are in that?
1: Um, I like I like both. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, not one for the other, probably not.
1: Well, I think in terms of what my training has consisted of, and like I think what my instincts um, are, I do really like performing. I'm mm-hmm. kind of a ham, not really. Um, but uh, it is my like. It's my first form, I suppose, what I started doing. Mm. Um, and I think it's, like, I love performing so much, yeah. but I really do want to perform material that I genuinely like, which is, like, a hard thing to do. Like, I find, like, looking at auditions uh, nowadays, it's, like, there's a contradiction within my artistic, like, philosophy and instincts because of, like, I love doing new work, mm-hmm. but then I'm, like, is it going to be good? Like, I don't yeah. know. Um, and so, like, do I audition for this? Do I not? I Like, is is mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, like I, I really do love, I do love performing and I want to do it until my body can't do it anymore for sure. Um, and I've gotten into some solo uh, performance work too. I took a Stephanie Shaw solo performance class Oh, very cool. and that gave me, um, a lot of like a big springboard for just, um, for work that I've made and I did my first solo performance show before I left Chicago, Mm -hmm. uh, for New Orleans for that little break I was on. And I did it at a really, really wonderful venue. Shout out to Hostel Euphoria in Logan Square. Um, it is a, a arts venue, a co op. Um, they do like urban gardening and things like that, and just really holistically a beautiful space uh, with beautiful people in it. Oh. And I got to do my. And I've seen so many shows there, and I've performed there before too, but like in a band context. And I got to do my first solo performance, like, in their living room,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which was so cool. Uh, and I never even considered performing in a living room before, uh, but they had an upright piano, and I did uh, songs that I'd written. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, like, theatrical songs, just songs that I'd written as a musician. Uh, and uh, and I did monologues that I'd written, um, mm-hmm. From all of them derived from solo performance, and um, Really, really grateful to that class. If anyone is at like an undergrad at Columbia, if you're thinking about going to Columbia, um, okay. take solo performance. Holy shit! Yeah, that 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 class. I mean, that class was so great. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephanie Shaw is like a great mentor in that situation, like because I think like Stephanie is like less like a traditional teacher in that class and more of like a facilitator, because mm-hmm. so much of what you take away from that class comes from your peers and just like yourself. Hmm. Um, and, and the majority of the time is your peers besides performing is you, them giving you feedback and them exchanging ideas with you. Um, and I had a, a beautiful, beautiful group of people in my class, like all of y'all, I love you guys. Um, and so I did a bunch of monologues that I'd done from that and, um, and I wasn't sure whether the the music plus the monologue interspersing of performance I had some sound stuff going on mm-hmm. I, I involved my theremin at a certain point um, it, it was a it was, it was, that was a fun monologue it was a monologue about um, vibrators oh. and um, and I was braiding my hair into a theremin so it would depending on how my pl- the plate was placed it would produce different
0: Okay, you have no to noises. tell us what, what's a theremin. Uh, <laughs> <a> I'm <theremin? laughs> I, I I be honest, I read the resume. I was like, I I should have googled that. It
1: is, uh, you know, like the sci-fi noises of like, dude. Yeah. It's like that instrument. Oh,
0: okay. Connor. Oh, look who it is. Oh, Connor. It's
1: Connor I'm Brown. I'm
0: getting up. I'm
1: giving them a hug.
0: Look who it is, folks.
3: Yeah. Oh, hi. <laughs> Don't mind me.
0: Just uh. casually walking in and like nothing happened.
3: wind hair. I just have my pumpkin spice latte, you know. I'm
0: just... And if you go on her Instagram, folks, you can see all about it. Oh, oh
3: my yes. God. I, I document all my lattes. <laughs> JGC Brown Latte.
0: At Latte Lover. <laughs> oh, man, this is a great improv. Anyway, uh, we're, we were talking about what, solo performance? Yeah, yeah. Okay, talking about, so we do
3: you know what a theremin is, Connor? I researched it. It's like some weird kind. of... I'm not alone. Look
1: who did the homework.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, I
1: looked up the anyway.
3: <laughs> um, for the
1: viewers who don't know what it is. It's a, it's a sci-fi thing. Yes. Yeah. So it's a. if it I love the origin story because a guy named Theremin was like developing like radar technology for the Russians, and he was like, "Oops, can't do that, but I can give you a musical instrument." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the, the traditional one. It's like it looks like a, like a like a rectangular wooden box, and it's got wiring in it. And then there's a, um, if you're facing it, like if you're playing it, there is a, um, uh, an antenna that goes up on the right side, and a coil that is uh, on, like uh, parallel, like a, on parallel to the floor um, on the left. And your hand interacting with the waves that are given off by the antenna effect, uh, affects the pitch and then your left hand is controlling the volume and the farther away your hand goes from the coil the louder it gets and the closer that it dampens it it's really great it's just so cool i don't have the traditional like og theremin i have something called a theremini it's made by moog who theremini. are like the biggest like producers of they do like synths and shit like that oh, okay. um yeah and it's like digital it has multiple sound settings like different scales you can do different ways you can uh like kind of pitch, control, correct, chorus, like, it's, it is wild. And I love her so much. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you already ask how you
3: started that? Or?
1: I just, uh, I found, I found some footage. I found some footage of a theremin. I think I was listening to, I somehow found, like, a Clara Rockmore video mm-hmm. or song, and she's one of the premier theremin players of uh, the 20th century. Um, and I was just like, this is insane. This is beautiful because you know you don't like the traditional like context ears, the old sci-fi sounds, mm-hmm. uh, and she was playing like Chopin, and I was like, mm. oh my god. Um, so I asked for one for Christmas one year, and that was like my big Christmas gift, uh, and it was thrilling. And I don't, I don't practice it enough. I don't use it enough, but that is one of my goals uh, within my artistry to like to employ that as an instrument. Cause like who's showing up? Who's showing up to the audition with the theremin? I don't know. Not, not,
3: not many,
1: but maybe me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I know. But solo uh, the solo performance stuff. That show like it it worked. Mm-hmm. It was effective. It I got great feedback from people after doing that. Um, I I did my first solo performance show before um, this year. Last year was up uh, at Hostel Euphoria. Oh yeah, and. And also, like, my best friend was in town from back home, uh, was visiting me, and I had a bunch of really nice friends that either, like, lived there or came to see it. Um, And it was so nice having that community of people around, Mm -hmm. uh, people like I knew and I trusted and that, uh, rooting for me. And complete strangers that came up to me afterwards and were like, that was awesome. And it was very affirming, and I want to do it more, for sure. I want that to, because, like, I've always considered, like, Do I want to be a musician? Do I want to be a theater performer and an actor like, uh, like, and uh, why not do a bunch of things in one setting, like? Um, I guess I just, I just didn't know whether it would work and apparently it's working for some people, so <laughs> let's let's go for it.
3: So looking at your resume and your special skills, oh, uh, a good highlight I see is wackadoo makeup. Thank you.
0: Because
3: I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So we did some research. Yeah, um, um,
1: what yeah,
0: is that? We can't find it.
1: <laughs> right. It's not copyrighted yet.
0: Uh, oh, no. okay.
1: oh <laughs> cool. Because I'm on the now, images
0: and I'm like, there's see,
1: something... Okay, quite, okay. Like, yeah. Matthew and I took... Um, professional survival with Barbara Robertson together yes. and I think I put that on my resume and she just went like what the hell <laughs> she was are like what are you trying this. she's just like just put makeup like don't don't be extra um, and I, I just put that like just being like a it was kind of like a, a fucking moment like yeah. mm-hmm. um, I just didn't I, I can do conventional makeup like I took like a like a editorial almost like makeup class yeah. at Columbia but I've just never been good I don't do a full beat Like when I go out the house or like, but I do paint things on my face and I glue things to my face and it's very fun. Um, So I just like didn't know how to just, I just, I I have a lot of imposter syndrome and I never want to oversell myself on a skill level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I don't want my special skills to be like, oh, I can. I've done archery for like years, but I haven't done it in a minute, and I can't get a, like up on the target. Maybe the first couple of tries, and I don't want you to think I can,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. uh, like that kind of thing. And I, and I just, I always feel like I'm not going to be good enough, or I'm not going to fill the ex- expectations or the shoes of what they people want me to do. Um, and it's kind of like the the jack of all trades, master none. I yeah. like a lot of, I like I'll do a lot of stuff, especially within the arts, but do I spend enough time on one thing to really master it? That's kind of a concern of mine. Um, yeah, so that was like a deflection, I guess. <laughs> that The wackadoo part of it. I was like, oh, don't take me too seriously. Um, but, you know, if someone needs me, like if I can get hired to do some like cool makeup on a production or that in addition to whatever I'm doing with the show or something, then like, yeah, employ me.
3: Um, sure. It's a fun conversation starter, you know? Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, maybe. I just like to
0: defend myself. When I looked up Wackatoo makeup on the Google Images, everyone looked very serious. Really? N- nothing Wackatoo about them. Because there was all these people just looking very stoic and, like, the most basic foundation like, That's
1: so disappointing. I am
0: very disappointed.
1: I think maybe there needs to be, like, some kind of movement or makeup line or something done. So that we can, like, standardize what wackadoo truly means. Getting on that, Lily Mack. Actually, you can't standardize wackadoo. It's wackadoo. Yeah. It defies definition. Well, Make
3: wackadoo happen.
0: Yeah. You mean, you you write music. Write the jingle. Come on. You Bye. have makeup.
3: Wackadoo. <laughs> do, 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 do.
1: Connor, you're adorable, and I miss you so much. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh man! Oh yeah! I guess because I was, you know, I just popped in because I came in. I yeah, I got to work with Lily Mac on a production of Wild Party here at Columbia College. Oh, that was awesome.
1: That was fun. And
3: also the first time that we really, at least the first time I met you.
1: Yeah. No, for sure. First time I met a lot of people. I mean, it was a huge cast, so I got to meet a ton of people. I actually through that process met my now roommate. Oh. Oh. Uh, Do you remember when Jamie Davis came in and just like observed? Yeah. Yeah. And we just started hanging out after that, and now we're roommates. Well. Oh my god, they were roommates.
0: We didn't meet the Rochelle. I know, oh I did god. see you though in, uh, you, uh,
3: what was it, Maurice something?
0: Uh, Maurice Sendak? Yeah, yeah, I saw you in that.
1: Yeah, got to play Deb. Shout out, shout out to Courtney Ethorn for writing that incredible piece and Michael Moynihan for directing it.
0: Oh, I remember seeing Because Brendan was in my improv class and so mm-hmm. he was like, hey, come see this. And I was like, all right,
2: fine. That was,
1: that was such a fun all experience because right. I really just got to embody my true inner self, which is like a 50-something-year-old woman who like doesn't shave her armpits and like does weird group-led yoga and then does acid with um, her friends.
0: Yeah, that was a tricky show. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
0: But that's how I met you. <laughs>
1: A great introduction.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, you met me and pissed shit in the beginning of the end. <laughs> what? That was the title of the play oh. festival show oh. I was in.
1: Oh. 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 That was the title. Uh huh. Oh, that's some very I forgot. We're at Columbia. Cool. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Right.
3: Everyth- everything could be a title. Yeah. Everything could be a title.
0: Everything's a balance beam.
3: Um, well, going back to yes, Wackadoo makeup, uh, listeners, I wish you could see, but Lily Mac is sporting some wonderful purple eyebrows. I am sporting purple eyebrows too. And that is one thing that even I knew for a short short amount of time that their eyebrows are always on fleek. Mm -hmm. Constant amazing colors and designs. Yeah, Thank you. So my question is, Mm -hmm. what started that?
1: I can actually uh, pull it back to one photo. Um, It was a photo of a model on a runway. Makeup look was like, she had big, bushy, brunette brows. Mm -hmm. But there was a dot. Of um, on each eyebrow towards the middle or towards the center of her face, there were blue dots, and I think eyeshadow or maybe some paint. And I was like, "That's awesome!" I was in high school, and I just started doing that—just uh, a little bit of eyeshadow. And like, I was filling in, I was filling in my eyebrows like nat oh natural with like really shitty brown uh, eyeshadow, like that did not match my hair color. At- it was a mess, <laughs> as everything is in high school. And so I started doing that, and then I was like, this is, I like this so much more. And I have naturally very, very light eyebrows. Um, Like, they're barely there. And so I just started doing more color, just kind of literally physically grew, (laughs) like, across my face. It was just more and more and more. And then by the time I uh, got to college, it was kind of what I was doing for the most part. Um, And that's how people know me. Like, uh, Security Jones working downstairs in the library, and, uh, God bless her, and she just calls me eyebrows. <laughs> Actually, a lot of security people at Columbia call me eyebrows, and I have no problem with it. From them. Not anyone else, y'all. Like, n- and not anyone else. Just, just the, um, just security. Just
0: the Columbia <laughs> College security. Yeah.
1: Because, like, think about an emergency situation, and, like, they need to get me out of a building, they're like, eyebrows! And I'll be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and that's efficiency. That's how it works. it done. Gets it done. Gets it done. Yeah.
3: So do you have like a special system, a certain color for each day, or just how you feel?
1: I think it's just I wing it every time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's very rarely a a time where I'm like, oh, it's going to be red brows, we're going to do blocks, we're going to do like blah blah. Um, No, I just go into the bathroom and I'm like, uh, and I look behind me, I look at my makeup, and I'm like... That's a, that's a nice color. Um, or, like, I'll coordinate it to, like, my outfit, yeah. kind of. Um, I find myself doing that quite a bit. At least, at least just, like, know that they're not going to clash, like, too hard. I'm not, like, wearing, like, a red sweater with, like, orange. I mean, that could yeah. work. That could be a look. But, like, I don't know, like, complementary colors and things like that. We love the color wheel. We really do. That color wheel.
0: Yeah. your favorite color that you like to use?
1: Uh, I think the one that looks best And the one that people usually remember the most Are like greens mm-hmm. Like certain greens There's a green uh, In the Ben Nye bruise palette That I have Which I got it Because I genuinely I learned how to do bruises In this makeup class And I was like Oh this is so fun And then I There's no reason for me To keep making bruises On my off time Unless I want to really freak people out <laughs> In a very inappropriate way Um but it's a really beautiful, like, kind of olive green oh, in there that I love. And then also what i found, which has surprised me, um, when I'm feeling, like, pretty depressed or anxious or just like, I can't get out of the bed, like, ah. Uh, um, I find that doing gray brows actually helps me a lot. Really? Because mm-hmm. it's, like, the feeling of gray inside. Yeah. And if you externalize that. Mm. It like, and sometimes I wear like all gray and do gray brows, and like for whatever reason, that's like very cathartic for me. Mm. And that can like help me kind because of, I feel like if I'm wearing the gray on myself or externally outside of it, I can get it outside of myself a little bit more, acknowledge it a little bit more. Mm. I think that's kind of the, the way that I've experienced depression and anxiety has. Been feeling like there's like it's like a no man's land, and I don't know how to construct my thoughts or feelings or validate them or Mm -hmm. organize them, and it feels like a bunch of gray. And so, getting that outside of me has been like really helpful, too. Yeah, yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah, Uh, you are also a voice teacher. I am. Um, Yeah, how have you always wanted to teach, or how did that come to be?
1: Um, I've had a lot of vocal training throughout my life, um, like consistently throughout my life. I started, uh, the, the, the school that I went to when I was a wee little kid, um, like we could get like Christmas and spring concerts constantly. I joined choir. I started taking private voice when I was about like 12 or 13 in preparation for my NOCA audition. Um, and then had consistent vocal teaching throughout, uh, from here on out. And, um, And with musical theater, like, I think you can give feedback to, like, musical theater people. People have, like, some training, I guess, or the people I've been around, like, to a certain extent. But, like, as a peer, like, you can't tell them exactly more than they already, than you, like, already know, I guess. I don't know. Um, Well, this is to say that I felt a special, like, want to provide affordable, accessible vocal instruction for people in the DIY scene here. Mm. The music scene. Uh, I'm constantly going to shows, people that are my friends, or just bands that I admire, artists I admire, and um, and a lot of them, I'm like, honey, are you okay? Like, in terms of, like, their vocal technique, because, like, some of them are rappers, and they want to keep, like, the vibe, like, yeah. up, and they, like, are, like, like almost, like, yelling into the mic for, mm. like, 30 minutes straight, mm. and they're wonderful performers, and they, they're material is fantastic and their delivery is great. I'm just like worried about their literal health.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so I put like this, like the smoke signal out slightly, um, like over a year ago to my friends. I was like, yeah, I want to offer affordable, um, voice lessons for people in this community. And then someone, a mutual friend of mine, um, linked me up with a lovely, uh, musician named Nate green. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been giving him vocal lessons for like the last year. Um, and like he came in with no kind of basis in vocal technique, like mm-hmm. no church, no choir, no, no nothing. Um, and I was teaching someone to sing from scratch,
2: mm.
1: which was the most, it's like one of the most challenging things. It's not like it's, I, I love going over there and, and it's like such an incredible person. Um, and seeing his progress from then till now is absolutely stunning. But it took, there's a whole thing, it's like if you're a teacher, you learn more than your students when you're teaching. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. And I I felt that because I hadn't thought about what does it fundamentally mean to sing in a really long time. Mm. Because it's second nature to me. I've been doing, I've been singing since I was a kid, whether I was just singing in my car or singing in choir or singing in theater. Um, And it's been really cool. It's informed my own vocal practice and health and training. Uh, it's made me reflect a lot on, like, my, my lifestyle, physically, mentally. Um, and, you know, and I'm not, like, unrealistic. Like, a lot of people in the DIY scene, they smoke, whether it's, like, weed or cigarettes. People drink a lot uh, or can. Some people are completely sober um, and, like, work, like, really hard hours. Uh, Two are performing really late at night. Um, and so there's, all, there's so many, like, holistic variables to consider for someone in that realm of performance, and I just I want to offer a resource and a, a, a like a source of like help or health um, to people that I I want to I want to see keep performing at top notch quality mm-hmm. for, like the rest of their careers. Um, so yeah, if anyone is in the independent music scene. And once vocal lessons, I'm out here. Um, and I'm also open to, like, bartering of resources. For example, I don't know anything about recording or mixing music. <laughs> but if you do and you want vocal lessons, then we can, like, arrange something. Like, that kind of thing. I want to be really open. I think um, a spirit that I want to go into the art scene in Chicago with um, of of, like, being accessible and being, like, Bene- like benevolent to others it's just like how can you exchange resources without it being strictly monetary you know we're all, we all, we're all having trouble like getting funding and getting money and getting paid fairly for what we want to do yeah. mm-hmm. so can we if we can't like spare change can we spare resources and knowledge and wisdom and things like that practicalities nice.
3: for the sake of time we have a, one last question before we do our time for two do you okay. have any tips or advice for our listeners
1: Oh God! Um, do y'all have any for me? Because <laughs> um, I mean, I would say just run towards what you think is like authentic and what you want to like what you believe in doing. Because I think I think within sometimes our forms there are expectations of what kind of work we can do mm-hmm. uh, within musical theater, especially. There's just like you have to fit this vocal type or this kind of performer or character. Um, and I really want to say to all the people that feel like they don't fit into the musical theater canon, like, I, I want to make work for you, and I want to create space for you, uh, especially for queer artists and gender non-conforming performers who feel like, like, they look at a casting call and are like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, like, and I've been experiencing the same thing, so, and some advice that I've been given is that, like, that makes you special. And a practical way that can make you a commodity, Mm -hmm. artistically, like you're something new. Um, But it's something I have to keep telling myself, especially um, having the imposter syndrome, feeling like I'm not good enough to do anything. Like, just really go after the art and the things that activate you. And don't settle for things that you think you should be doing. I suppose. Um, because, like, that's that's what I want to see myself doing. And that's what I want to see others doing and, like, finding their joy in that. Um, yeah, new forms. New forms. Uh, new forms. <laughs> new, forms. forms. new forms. Shout out to new forms. Shout out to my friend Nick Dayton. We had a bit going on New Year's uh, Eve being like, new forms 2020, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> new forms, new 2020. New
0: 2020. <laughs> well, guess what we have time for?
1: Two. Oh my god. Time for two. Oh my
0: god. Oh, you're going to love this. Okay. (laughs) My
1: lizard brain is not going to be able to take this.
0: (laughs) You're going to love it. Oh god. Okay. We're going to do two minutes on the clock. General questions, general icebreaker questions.
3: First Uh, thing, head, just say it. Yeah,
0: you're going to be so good at this. Yes, I'll start. Ready, three, two, one, go. Left twix or right twix?
1: Um, They're the same thing. What'd you have for breakfast? Um, uh, coffee.
0: Timon and Pumbaa.
1: Oh. Um, I guess Pumbaa, because Timon won't shut up.
3: <laughs> Are you cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs?
1: No.
0: Do you believe in ghosts?
3: Kinda, yeah. Do you believe in magic? Mmm, sometimes.
0: Can you be box? No.
1: <laughs> what would you do for a Klondike bar? Uh, get another ice cream But uh, product.
0: Are you afraid of a Jinger Wolf?
3: Not yet. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop?
1: You tell me.
0: Mm. Oh, 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 boy. Uh, fruit salad or hot potato?
3: Fruit salad or hot potato, oh my god. Uh, fruit salad, that moment. What's your rapper name?
1: Oh, let's not go there. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, um, uh, how do you like your eggs? Ooh, soft scrambled.
3: Who let the dogs out?
1: An irresponsible pet owner.
0: Oh, Are you a rock or a hard place?
1: A hard place. <laughs>
3: Hannah Montana or
1: Miley Cyrus? A real person,
0: I guess. A Miley Cyrus. Ooh. Uh, is the running man the greatest dance of all time?
1: The running man? Uh, no, there are lots of forms up there. <laughs> <laughs>
3: do you know how to tie a tie?
1: No, not yet, but I want to. I want to learn.
3: Uh,
0: do you wash your hands every time after going to the bathroom? No.
1: Do you
3: make your bed every day? No.
0: Have ever been kicked out of a bar?
1: No.
3: Beer or wine?
1: Uh, I've said Cherry Joe's wine.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, alligators or crocodiles?
1: Alligators, baby. Louisiana, what's up?
3: <laughs> Bruce Wayne or
1: Batman? Um, oh, he's such a douche. God. <laughs> Batman.
0: Uh, earth, wind, or fire?
1: Ooh, uh, 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 The Earth. Go to the Elf, What's your
3: favorite color? Black.
0: Is there, is there a house on the rising sun?
1: Yeah. Ooh, and the sky. No, I did. You I wrote didn't.
0: a lot of these new ones. See you see can't you tell? Can
1: there start. were a lot of new ones. Yeah. I listened. I listened to some episodes. Hey, a lot it's of these are fresh. twenty twenty. New forms. New, new, new questions. questions.
0: New questions. That's what's up. Oh man! All right, I'm probably have to delete some of these. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, well, uh, before we go, we do have a gener- one final question, uh, Lily Mack. Are, are your, your parents, parents
3: proud
1: of you?
0: Of you? Somehow, yes, they are. Thank you so much, Lily Mac. This is a lot of fun. Thank you for having
3: me. Here, you can finish my latte. Oh my god, Connor, it's not real.
0: (laughs) Connor, you can have my boxed water.
3: Oh, no, I want your boxed wine. Oh,
0: okay, well, good luck finding it in the library. All right.
3: And that was our conversation with Lily Mac. Ah, what a wonderful conversation. I love hanging out with Lily Mac. I had such a blast with them at Wild Party. We should hang out more. Um, so as I'm sure you can hear, Matthew is not here at the moment. Uh, that is because he is standing in the back right now watching me do this outro by myself as a punishment for coming late. However, um, a queen is never late. Everyone else is just early. That's what I'm saying. And he is also holding my latte hostage at the moment Speaking of lattes, thank you, Griffin McCorkle, for my latte. And, of course, for being the makeup artist for the episode, making us all look fabulous. And, uh, folks, please follow us on the IG, Instagram, the Facebook, at Parents Proud Podcast. And you can give us a Gmail at the Parents Proud Podcast Gmail. Uh, Yeah, keep listening, folks. Um, Can I I please have my latte now? Ah, yes. Thank you.